The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Which is a greater problem for you? And I want you to let us know in the comment section or just you can say it to somebody near you. Is pain or pleasure a greater problem? Is the pain of this pandemic a problem for you? Or is the pleasure that you're using to numb the pain a greater problem? Go ahead. You can, you can comment. You can lean over and say it to someone in your home right now. Which is a greater problem, pain or pleasure? The reality is we believe that pain is robbing us of what is best. Pain has trapped us in our home. Pain has cost me my job. Pain has caused us to have to distance ourselves from the people we love and care about most. Pain has cost me my graduation or being able to be present at a funeral. But here's the reality. Pain is our greatest teacher. Most of what you've become came out of pain. Why? Because pain helps us grow. Pain stretches us more than we thought we could be stretched. It strengthens us beyond the strength we thought we had. Pain stirs in us compassion and causes us to care more than we thought we could care. Pain is the greatest gift you've ever had. And the reality is during this painful season, you will make the most powerful memories. Think about the people that you feel closest to you. It's people that went through a painful season with you. They were present when you were suffering and that's why you feel close. Think about the most powerful memories you had. They happen in pain. So during this season, you will create the most uh, long lasting memories and you will become who you will be in the future during this season. So I'm just gonna challenge you, don't miss this moment. Hold on to this moment, embrace this moment. This moment matters. So I want you to lean in and recognize that pain is your teacher right now. It's helping you grow and stretch and become someone you otherwise could have never become outside of this season. It's deepening relationships and it's allowing you to create memories that will last a lifetime and so make meaningful memories. In fact, one of your homework assignments is gonna be, what memories do you wanna make through this season? Now let's go back to the pleasure issue. Here's the deal, pleasure tricks us into believing that this is the way life should be and it always will be because it tells us this is our best life right now. But then when the pleasure passes, it lets us down hard because it reminds us this is not the way life always is or always will be. And so pleasure tries to get you to trade what lasts for what won't. Tries to trick you into a quick high that costs you your job. Uh, A momentary affair that wrecks your family, right? Here's what pleasure does every time. It tries to cheat you by getting you to uh, spend the most but get the least. It will charge you the most, but deliver the least. What do I mean? The challenge we experience, why are we willing to pay that kind of a price? Because we are expecting shallow pleasures to satisfy our deepest longing. Did you catch that? You're asking pleasure to do something it can't do. You're asking momentary pleasure to give you what will last forever. You're asking the temporary to give you what you need in forever. 
And it doesn't work, does it? No, I wanna bring you to a, a book that was written as kind of like a last will and testament by one of the smartest people and wisest people in all of history. He was the king of the nation of Israel. His name was Solomon. And at the end of his life, he sat down and he began to write out his memories, his thoughts, the lessons he learned from life, the, the lessons he learned in suffering and pain, the lessons he learned from having experimented with pleasure. And he writes it out in what becomes called Ecclesiastes, which simply means a teaching or the teacher, because he struggled with the hard lessons of life and he asked the hard questions. And in Ecclesiastes chapter two, he's talking about how he tried all kinds of pleasure. Here it is, I'm just gonna to begin to read it to you. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. And that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself up with wine and embracing folly. I mean, I just acted silly. I did whatever I want. I was a goofball. My mind, though, still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects and I built houses for myself right? He, he's a basic guy. I did anything and everything I wanted. I, I enjoyed the pleasures of life. I laughed and I, I put on comedy shows. I put on my favorite entertainment. I drank wine. I, I laughed and I goofed off. I built big homes. He goes, I amassed silver and gold for myself. I had full bank accounts and all the retirement savings I needed and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. He had his own band, he goes, uh, and a harem as well. Look, parents, I'm not gonna explain this, but basically he enjoyed all, he goes literally the delights of a man's heart. You can read between the lines. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I, I, I arrived at fame and status and position and prestige. In all of this, my wisdom stayed with me. I didn't go over the edge. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor, and this was the reward for all of my toil. He, here's where Solomon is going with this. He goes, I brought myself right to the edge, but I didn't go off. I, I, I enjoyed all of the pleasures, but I made sure that pleasure didn't charge me the full price. You know what we do? We try to get right to the edge. In fact, my family and I, we had the privilege of going on this family vacation where we drove out to Arizona. And one of the places we went was to Horseshoe Bend. And when we got there, we literally saw people dangling off the edge. L let me show you. Here's a guy sitting on the edge of the cliff. The cliff drops several hundred feet straight down. And there he is, just dangling off. But here's, here's daddy's heart. All right, this is what a loving daddy does. Loving dad socially distances the edge so that his kids social distance. So here I am. Here's me keeping my distance, right? That looks like it's about six feet. That's good, social distancing. Why? Because I want to be a good example so that my daughter, here she is, social distances the edge. You ever notice this? A lot of people ask, how close can I get to the edge before it hurts? If it wasn't pleasurable, if it didn't give you the adrenaline rush, would you really try to get that close? 
I mean, who, who tries to get close to the coronavirus? No, you wear gloves, you put on a mask, you get your own PPE, right? Your personal protective equipment. If it was a poisonous snake or a poisonous spider, ah, you keep your distance, you run away. But when it's pleasureful, you don't realize that the edge will destroy you. You know what you know what pleasure does? Pleasure pushes us further than we want to go and it costs us more than we want to spend every time. It will bring you to the edge and then it'll push you off. It lures you in and then it snags the hook. I was uh, doing a little game. I, I invented this chasing carrots game where I tied carrots to the end of a fishing pole and then I threw them. Some of you saw my videos. So I'm having fun with my boys playing this game and Daniel says, Daddy, let me, let me have the fishing pole. And so he wanted to turn and so I, I let him have the fishing pole. Let, let me show you what happened when he got the fishing pole. Check this out. <laughs> When, when this moment was over, Daniel literally runs up to me. He goes, Daddy, you were chasing carrots, and then the carrots chased you. And I went, oh, that's good. Hey, turn to somebody right now and say, that's good. Type in the comment section, that's good. Here's what I want you to say to somebody. What you're chasing is chasing you. You can say it. What I'm chasing is chasing me. That's right. What you're trying to grip has already gripped you. And the pleasure you're pursuing is pursuing you. Here's what Solomon realized about this situation. Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse 11. He goes, yet when I surveyed all that my ha hands had done, when I looked at all the pleasure I enjoyed and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was empty and had no value. It was a chasing after the wind. When you chase the wind, it chases you. Nothing was gained under the sun. Here's the deal. No one plans to wreck their life. They just don't plan not to. No one plans to get chased by destruction. No one plans to go off the edge. They just don't plan not to. And here's the trick. You know why what you're chasing is chasing you? You know why what you're pursuing is pursuing you? Because it is intelligent. Okay, you could think conspiracy, but there's something real. There is a real enemy and a real evil that is luring you in and baiting you to the edge to push you off. Jesus, he was teaching and he said it this way. Um, He's talking and his friends and followers are listening. One of them actually recorded this teaching moment. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is teaching and said, the thief, the enemy, the intelligent evil that's out to get you, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy of your life is out to get you. And he doesn't have to work very hard. Why? Because you and I have this instinct built into us to believe that if it feels good, it is good for us. That instinct in us is what Jesus called sin. You were born with it. It's a spiritual instinct to push away from God and pursue what, you, what feels good, believing that it is good for you. The trick is 
The trap is that when you give into sin and you push away from God, you not only go up to the edge, you go off the edge of destruction, and it doesn't just wreck your life in this moment, it wrecks your life forever. But Jesus gave a promise. He said, he said this, yes, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's the mission of Jesus, to come and give you full and abundant life. And I want to offer you that right now. Not because I can give you anything, but because Jesus loves you. You know how he did it? It's God came to earth. Jesus showed up among us. And then he put himself between us and the edge that would destroy us. He, he put himself in between us and our own destruction of eternal death. And he took on, he took the fall. He gave his life for our eternal death sentence. When Jesus died, he died once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven, but not just forgiven, given new life. How? Because Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead and in his resurrection, he rescued us from sin and forever death because when he rose, he gave us the promise of forever life as we believe in Jesus by faith. And if you're making that commitment right now, you want to say yes to Jesus. You're, you're asking Jesus to come between you and the destruction in front of you. You're going to simply say yes to Jesus. In fact, you let us know. Text Jesus to 41411 and you're saying yes to Jesus. You're believing in Jesus by faith, but don't stop there. Right? I want to encourage you that you're going to take a next step. As you say yes to Jesus, there are many of you that believe in Jesus. And for you and I, what we need to commit to is social distancing, what will ruin us. You need to create a gap between you and what will ruin you. That's how you plan not to wreck your life. You social distance what will ruin you. This is your plan not to wreck your life. And so Jesus offers some instruction. If you jump to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is uh, teaching and he gives this really clear example of how we can social distance what will ruin us. I'm going to read it to you in the, the gospel of Matthew chapter 5. He said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And then you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. If it's, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. What is Jesus saying? Is he saying that if you're angry, you've murdered, you should get charged with murder? If you've looked at a woman lustfully, you've had an affair? Is Jesus saying you should literally gouge out your eye? No, he's using hyperbole to make an essential point of where you draw the line of how far you'll go, how close you'll get to what will destroy you. And he is saying, draw the line, put the guard, put a guard in your heart at intent, not at the act. Guard your heart the moment you see the intent or feel the intent, not just waiting for the act to say, now we need to stop. Jesus moved the guardrails. And so my challenge to you is establish guardrails to, to social distance sin. Another word you could put in there is use guardrails to create moral distance between you and what will destroy you.
Here, here is our challenge. We often put the guardrails right at the act. But you wouldn't do this with your kids. No, with our kids, what we do is we put barriers between them and several steps in front of what will destroy them. Think about it like if your child was allowed to play in the playground. All right, they're not, but if they were at the playground, right? And, and then there's a, a grassy yard area, and then there's a sidewalk, and then there's a strip of grass, and then there's the road. You don't tell your children, don't play in the road. But you and I, here's what we do. We say, how much can I flirt before it's an affair? How much can I drink before I'm drunk? How much can I gamble before it's an addiction? How much can I consume before it's an addiction? How close can I get before it will destroy me? But with our kids, we go, don't go on the sidewalk. Why? Because we understand something fundamental. One step will lead to another step. An intention will become an action. And that's what Jesus is drawing on. And so he's saying, take extreme measures to protect you. The moment you detect an intention, do something extreme to prevent you from the action that will destroy you. He goes, change where you put the line. Here's the deal. Our culture is content with painted lines. Painted lines are safe, but they will not minimize damage. Guardrails are meant to prevent us to direct and protect. Why? Because guardrails are put there when the situation is uncertain, when there's danger ahead, or when change is around us. And so you use guardrails and safeguards to direct and protect. That's why we wear gloves. That's why we wear a mask. That's why we social distance, to direct and protect because situations are shifting and changing. And so we want to make sure we put a barrier, boundaries, far enough away from the virus, far enough away from the edge, far enough away from what will destroy us. And so Jesus offers this idea to help us understand that the line needs to be further back. And so let me give you some real practical ideas on this. Where do you draw the line, the guardrails, the safeguards in your life? Here's what I would encourage you to do. Recognize where the curves are in the road. Recognize where the edges are, where you're weakest, where you're most vulnerable. You're vulnerable, and I'm gonna give you an acronym, and it's gonna challenge you to halt, right? Where do you need to halt? Where, where, where is this halt idea in your mind? When you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed, you're gonna be most vulnerable, and that's where you need guardrails or safeguards. Remember, put the guardrails several steps back from the destruction, and so put filters on your devices. Put boundaries in your relationships several steps back from the action of destruction. Put protections and accountability in what you consume and watch, how you're relating to people, the things that are vices in your life. Put protections and accountability to keep you several steps back from what will wreck your life. Look, this is a season when I recognize that you might be vulnerable. So I'm sharing this with you. Because I realize that you're spending extra time on the computer. You're, you're only relating to people on the internet. You're, you're home and statistics right now are showing that um, alcohol consumption is skyrocketing. Private abuse of prescription medication is skyrocketing. 
the viewing of pornography is going through the roof. And so I'm trying to challenge you, be careful. Take step, several steps back from what will destroy you. But don't just, don't just distance yourself from what will destroy you. I want to give you the next challenge, which is this. Jesus said it's not just that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So you need to distance yourself from what will ruin you by putting guardrails in place. Jesus said, I have come, right? This is John 10, 10. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You know what I want to challenge you to do? I want you to not distance Jesus. Don't distance Jesus. Here's the thing, right? It's not just about restraint, but about proximity. It's not just keeping yourself far away from what will destroy you. It's getting close to the one who will protect you. Listen to me. The closer you get to sin, the more likely you are to sin. The closer you get to the edge, the more likely you are to go off. The closer you get to God, the more like God you become. When my kids get scared, you know what they do? They don't run from mommy and daddy. When we're around others, when we're somewhere, right, not in shelter at home season, but we're out, we're out somewhere and my kids get scared, you know what they do? They come running up to mommy and daddy and they hold on. Now my boys, I, I mean my girls do this now, but um, they did when they were little, right? Little kids, they run up and they hold on to mommy and daddy. Here's what I want you to do. When you recognize that there's something that could destroy you and your instinct is now I'm scared. I can see that this is gonna wreck my life. Run up and hold on to God the Father. Run into relationship with Jesus. Get really close to him. It's about proximity, not restraint. Run up and hold on to the strong arm of God. A God who is your protection, a God who is your strength, a God who loves you and is for you, wants to protect you and surround you with his goodness. Here's the deal. Whatever you're getting close to, you will become like or it will, do, it will wreck you, right? The closer you get to the edge, the more likely you are to go off. The closer you get to God, the more like God you become and the more strength you find in God. Some of you, you're wondering where is God in this season? Listen to me carefully. You're getting closer to some things in your life. Whatever you get close to, you feel connected with. Whatever you get close to is likely to directly impact you. And some of you, because you're getting closer to morally compromising stuff, that's what you're experiencing. That's what you're feeling. That's what you're wrestling with. So I'm going to challenge you. You will feel closer to God the further you move away from sin. You will feel closer to God the further you move from the things that are out to destroy you. When you turn your life from what will wreck you and you begin to move closer to God, you'll begin to feel closer to God. Right now, for some of you, this is going to be radically life-changing. You're going to experience a transformation in your life simply because you're moving close to God right now in prayer in celebration, in worship, just saying, God, I love you. As you begin to read God's word, you begin to know God's heart. As you read God's word, you begin to discover who God is and you begin to move closer to God. This is the key to knowing and being close to God. So I wanna challenge you right now. Some of you, you need to move close to God with your heart and your life, with a commitment, saying yes to Jesus. In fact, I wanna invite you, would you just, would you make that commitment right now, saying yes to Jesus? 
And would you let us know? Let somebody know. In fact, you can, you can put it in the comment section. Just say, Jesus, in the comment section. Or, or you can text us, Jesus, to 41411. And I just want to encourage you. What you're doing is you're saying yes to Jesus. And the life of God is entering in your life. You're being raised to new life through faith in Jesus. Your life is being transformed. God's spirit coming into your spirit to forgive you of sin and give you a new life. Would you let us know that? Would you text Jesus? Would you comment Jesus in our comment section? You're not just saying it. You're believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, for every one of you, would you make a commitment to socially distance what will ruin you? Would you make a commitment to put guardrails to protect you by creating a distance between you and sin? And would you move closer to Jesus? I want to take a moment. I want to pray over you right now. And as I'm praying, I'm going to encourage you. What are you, what are you getting a little too close to that could hurt you, that could ruin you? Where are you driving just a little too close to the edge? There's something. You know what it is. Would you, would you acknowledge that right now? Would you ask Jesus to forgive you? And then would you make a commitment to move from that closer to God? That's what I want to pray over you right now. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for loving us so much for dying on a cross for our sins, for rising from the dead to give us victory over our sins. And so God, I pray that in every home, in every, behind every device, for those that are watching and joining us, God, I pray that they would experience you, that you would show up in living rooms and bedrooms and kitchens and wherever people are, are, are joining us. God, that you would meet them in a powerful way so that their lives are changed and transformed. We are saying yes to you, Jesus. We are moving from what would destroy us and closer to you. And we just want to say, Jesus, that we love you. In your name, amen. Would you say that right now? Would you say, Jesus, I love you. I need you in my life. I want you in my life. This isn't about restraint, but about proximity. So right now, that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to move in, proc in the proximity of our heart, closer to God in worship. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.